Hi, I'm Alan Altman. And I'm Dave Juskow. And this is Billy Joel A to Z. She can kill with a smile, she can wound with her eyes. And she can ruin your faith with her casual lies. And she only reveals what she wants you to see. She hides like a child, but she's always a woman to me. She can lead you to love, she can take you or leave you. She can ask for the truth, but she'll never believe. And she'll take what you give her as long as it's free. Yeah, she steals like a thief, but she's always a woman to me. Hello again, and welcome to another exciting episode of Billy Joel A to Z, as today we get to talk about a Billy Joel classic in She's Always a Woman. This beautiful ballad is the seventh song of a perfect album that is, of course, The Stranger. She's Always a Woman was the fifth and final song released off of the album on August 12th, 1978, peaked at Number 17 on the Billboard charts on October 14th, 1978, which was three days after Billy released his new album, 52nd Street. I wonder if it would have gone further up if they had delayed the release of the new album. My Life entered the charts two weeks later after this hit number 17. Of course, again, as we always like to talk about, good luck trying to beat a taste of honey's boogie, oogie, oogie with this song in that time period. Got to remember that song so well because it always goes do, 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 boogie. Do you know that song? Yeah. I got a boogie, woogie, oogie till I just can't boogie no more. Whoa, boogie. <laughs> <laughs> right. The fact that we know it uh, means I, I guess it was a, a huge hit and. How is this song going to beat that? (laughs) It can't. uh, Right. She's Always a Woman also appears, well, doesn't appear on Kreplock, but does appear on the retitled version, A Matter of Trust, The Bridge to Russia. It also appears on 12 Gardens Live, Live at Shea Stadium, and Greatest Hits Volume 1. I think we're all in agreement that anything off The Stranger is a pretty good song, and this is a really beautiful, pretty song that we all know. So the question is, where does Christopher Bonanos, where does Alan Altman think Christopher Bonanos in his New York Magazine article will place She's Always a Woman out of 121 songs? Well, Dave, this is one of Billy Joel's best ballads. I think Christopher Bonanos will agree, and I'm going to guess 16. So I kind of tried to word it that way because it's awkwardly lower than you would think. Oh, it's surprisingly at 34. I really thought anything off the stranger would be maybe in the top 20 at least. But the weird part is his blurb is fascinating because he says, and I've never heard this before, but people ding this song for being schmaltzy. But I don't think so. It wouldn't seem out of place on several Bob Dylan records, and you'd probably think more of it then. The arrangement could be admittedly be a little crisper. Uh, strange eh. blurb. He's right about the Bob Dylan part. I agree with that, that it would probably be 
much more heralded if it was him doing it. Yeah, because he wrote this as a folk song. So, yeah, it would be cool on a Dylan record. I don't see it as schmaltzy, though, right? It's like, I mean, just the way you are is schmaltzy. This song isn't. I agree 100%. So I, I think it's a strange thing to say, but obviously he felt that way in putting it so low. The weird part is Glenn Gamboa, and we already know his top four. This is his number five song. Wow. Yeah, that's where I thought maybe uh, Christopher would have had it. But no, the fans rank it at 23. It all makes sense. I mean, look, whether it's 34 or 23 or five, like it's clearly in his top quarter of the songs he's written. I, I would put it in the top 20 myself. Where would you put it? Is it a top 10 for you? No. Oh, it's such a beautiful song. I don't I don't know if I'd put it in the top 10 because the once I hear it, I get so into it. And then I don't. But it's one of those songs you don't think about a lot when you think of Billy Joel. But once you once I hear it again, when I heard it again, I'm like, God, this is a real beautiful song. And when he gets to that, when he gets to the part, and I don't know if you even call it a chorus. Oh, she takes care of herself. You know, when it gets to that part, you're like, oh, I am all in on this song. It's it's really special. And then the ending is completely what does it for me. It's really the way we were kind of talking about scenes from an Italian restaurant and the very ending and how it crescendos to this epic ending. I believe this song. I've always thought that when she when he ends it, and it kind of, I, I don't know how you'd say it, but I guess just crescendo. The most she can do is throw shadows at you. And she is always, a woman. you know, it's almost yeah. like an Irish drinking song. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like, like, it's a drinking song. It is. It's a, yeah. it's a sea and, shanty. Yeah. And then it just, wow. Then you're just like, boy, this song is that great. And then you, then it stops. And then you move on with your life and you don't think about it again. I don't know why. It's a very strange song. Yeah, it's not epic anyway. It's just three minutes long. He gets into it really fast. You'd think it would have like a long intro. It's like an eight second intro and then it just starts. And uh, yeah, definitely very sea shanty, like very like almost like Piano Man. Some of those lyrics, you could sing them in that same kind of like limericky kind of way, the way that they rhyme. And I agree with you also that my favorite part is when he gets that, that's those high notes in that chorus section. Yeah, it's so good. Did you see the uh, old gray whistle test video? Yeah. That when Richie Cannata is playing the flute, that is so amazing. You don't think about the flute in the song until you see him playing it on this video. And it's much more pronounced in the video, the flute. And it's like, I don't know, one of the few times where you're like, oh, my God, you needed flute here. I feel like it's like Amadeus where he's like, oh, we have to make the fl six flutes playing at the same time. Like something like it, just, <laughs> it, it totally fits here. And you don't think about it until you see him play it on the video. Yeah. And how good is Richie Cannata that this that guy doesn't just play like horns, but he can pull out a flute and be really good at it too. So smooth. Absolutely. Right. She steals like a thief, but she's always a woman to me. Promise you more than the garden of
it always seemed like a weird instrument to me because it's like you're not even your mouth's not really on the hole it's just near the hole yeah i don't i don't get it i don't get the flute but But good for richie and somebody that can play it that well it is amazing because you think if you're just trying to play the flute like you said you're putting your your mouth next to the hole and all of this sounds uh, weird (laughs) But, uh, but it's uh you know, if when you don't get that breathy sound, it's like you know, it's it's amazing. You really are a master of the of the flute, a flautist. Yeah, the breathy sound. That's what I was thinking. While I'm watching the old gray whistle test, the microphone is right near his mouth where the flute is. Like, how come we're not hearing on the microphone him being like, <sighs> exactly? It's just like the same, like why Toots is so good on the harmonica. You know, it's a, these guys are professionals, and you don't get that. A lot of people you hear play the flute. You hear the breaths. You hear the breathiness. Yeah. This is flawless playing. You know, speaking of toots, I would have liked to hear a version of this song with like the harmonica instead of the flute. That could have been interesting, too. And I would have not. Yeah. <laughs> well, did you see the Josh Groban live on Colbert? No. So he played this on Colbert about three years ago, and he had a guy playing accordion instead of a flute. And that Why? actually sounded pretty cool. Really? Yeah. She steals like a thief. She's always a woman too Oh, she takes care of herself She can wait if she wants She's ahead of her time And oh, and she She will promise you more than the garden of Now I didn't see it. I didn't even hear about it, but like I would say to myself, why? Why do you have to ruin a song with an accordion? We've already agreed. Billy Joel has three songs that need an accordion. I believe it was Sete Toi, Scenes from an Italian Restaurant, and the Downeaster Alexa. And well, that so, is someone where- mentioned. Someone mentioned a fourth that we haven't talked about. Vienna has accordion. Oh, I'm not sure about that one yet. So. We haven't heard of it yet. It's in the V's. No, we don't know what it is. I've never heard that song before. So, uh, no, but I mean, but that's where it has to end. Don't add an accordion to a song where it doesn't need it, but then you're saying it sounds okay. I guess I'll have to judge for myself. Meanwhile, ladies, I did hear Josh Groban is single. <laughs> did you listen to the demo version of the song? Yes, I did. And, you know, I love that kind of stuff. No lyrics and, of course, whistling. <laughs> it's so interesting. It's it just uh, you, you can see how the song kind of flows. Those demos are it's really great when that happens. And of course, uh, I heard Liberty again. You know, he's the the king at just not being funny at all, but coming up with those dummy lyrics. Remember, honesty was sodomy, and you're like, ah, Liberty, you're the 
You're the adult. <laughs> and for this one, he goes, she's only a widow to me. <laughs> oh, Liberty. Classic Liberty. Classic Liberty. Well, Billy Joel himself had placeholder lyrics when he first thought of the melody in his head. So he had his lyrics were uh, actually it's kind of funny because it's near where you live. Did you hear this story? Oh, my God. I totally did. It's right near where I live. The view from the 35th floor. Yeah. So he was living in the, the landmark on 59th Street and 2nd Avenue on the 35th floor. And so those were his placeholder lyrics. The view from the 35th floor. I, I couldn't believe it. I, I must look at that view every day, except for, uh, just, uh, you know, from from a lower level. But I look at that view he was looking at every day and I, I never think of a song. Yeah, what's something's <laughs> wrong. I think you got to be a little higher up. That thin air helps your mind work. Maybe that's what it is. But yeah, it's exciting that he wrote it in the neighborhood. It's very exciting. And then and then that's where he bought Elizabeth the house like a few blocks up. You know, in the 80s, after they were divorced, he bought her a house to try and get back together with her. And that and then and you hear about this? Yeah. What a bum. Yeah. yeah what was he thinking? Yeah. What a horror. Well, yeah. It, well, he was in love. Right. So it's like weird, you know, and who knows why? And everybody even knew why when he was there, like, why do you love this woman? She's going to destroy you in the future. He's like, I can't help it. I don't know what to tell you. It's just like she just does something to me. She's always then, a woman to me. I don't know. Yeah. And then he bought her the house. And then he got into the motorcycle accident. And then she's like, you should sign everything over to me because you're probably going to die. What a horrible human being. And she's never been heard from again. Uh, this this song brings up more Elizabeth Warren stories, right? Like we want to get Not Elizabeth Warren, Elizabeth Weber. Oh, Elizabeth Weber. This song <laughs> brings up more Elizabeth Weber stories uh, that you want to get more information again. You know, now it's in our mind again, like all this kind of stuff that we were talking about in earlier songs, especially uh, just the way you are and all that kind of stuff because it's about her and there's you know you look up what she's doing now you can't find anything she's not on social media she is nothing she just disappeared which is kind of funny because her entire emma when she was a billy was about the limelight and the lifestyle and all that kind of stuff and then she just you know got her money and just disappeared yeah, that's true. It is kind of weird because she does. She loved society. You'd think she would still be out there trying to go to these fancy parties and living it up. I, maybe she realizes how much she's hated in the world and how much he's beloved. And she just doesn't want to leave the house for fear of who knows. You know, <laughs> I mean, now it, if uh, Dave Chappelle can get injured, then uh, <laughs> if you think about how mad Billy Joel if I would be at Elizabeth Weber. <laughs> yeah. You think Billy's going to put a hit out on her with some of his Long Island mobster friends? I don't think he would now, but I believe uh, once he got served with whatever, it wasn't even served with paper. She's like, just sign everything you have over to me because you're probably not going to make it. I mean, uh, probably yeah. after he recovered, he's probably like, what an asshole. Probably then. I'm sure he's over it now. I'd like to think so. Although who knows? We've always mentioned he likes to hold grudges. <laughs> yeah. What a horrible human being. And but it's so funny to write three songs about. I mean, the guy was just totally in love. He was totally not like paying attention you know his friends told him this isn't the. i mean you know we hear about these kind of stories all the time and of course this is what you want as musicians they even make movies where the manager will hire a girl to date a guy and then break up with them because that's when he writes better songs which is probably based on this relationship very much <laughs> but yeah it's just so fascinating she was such a ball buster and that's of course this brings us back to the song that here's billy joel and this is why the ladies love him. This is why you get a Christy Brinkley. This is why, because when you write a song like this back in 1977 or 77, right? Yeah. About 
a, you're writing a song about a strong woman, somebody who was perceived as just being a complete bitch because she was a woman in a management position, which happens all the time to women. You know, just now we're learning like maybe you shouldn't be like that. I mean, the whole Devil Wears Prada uh, movie is that exact storyline. You know, people, I mean, you can, if you, I worship the movie. So <laughs> Meryl Streep just gets, there's like, I don't care what they say about me. It just bothers when they talk about me like that in front of my children, stuff like that. But to write a song like this and say, yeah, I know she's a little bit, you know, she's just headstrong and she's serious, but she's always a woman to me. It's a misunderstood song by a lot of people. A lot of women thought he was being misogynistic, right? Yeah, because like all the verses are making her sound terrible, but they weren't they weren't focusing on the part where he's like, hey, but she's cool to me. Like, I don't care what she does to you guys. Maybe she is terrible to you guys. But but to me, I love her. It's an unbelievable song that no man was writing back then. And like you're saying, it comes it might come off the wrong way. But when you really let's look at these lyrics and the funny thing is, uh, you know, he even has she steals like a thief, which, you know, later on, I guess she did. But uh, (laughs) he called that. But yeah, she can kill with a smile. She can wound with her eyes. She can ruin your faith with her casual lies. And she only reveals what she wants you to see. She hides like a child. But eh, I can't help myself. She's always a woman to me, right? <laughs> I guess the way people were reading it, the ones who thought it was misogynistic, was almost as if he's saying, like, these are all traits of women. Like, they were kind of excluding the butt from the song. They were just hearing, she's always a woman. She steals and she lies. And so it made it seem like he was just saying all women do these things, which is not what he was trying to say. You're right. She takes care of herself. She, uh, she's uh, she never gives in. She changes her mind. She'll promise you more. She'll carelessly cut you laugh while you're bleeding. <laughs> I mean, you're right. There's a lot of it's, it's, it's like he kind of knew what everybody was talking about her behind his back, even if they were talking right to him. He clearly knew, but he couldn't help himself. He was so into this woman. And of course, you know, you just nobody knows why somebody's like that. But we've seen it a hundred times that we've all had friends like that. We're like, dude, open your eyes. This woman is not right for you. And she's crazy and she's doing all these horrible things. How can you not notice this? And sometimes they they know and they don't care. And sometimes they don't know. And this is that song. And that's what makes it so good. There's so many messages and Yet it's a a beautiful love song about a woman that he loves and a strong woman, a woman who, when he plays just the way you are, and he goes, it's about you because I love you just the way you are. So it's about me. I I will get the publishing rights. Yes. (laughs) And, you know, that's a true story. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And it's funny because, like, she's always trying to, like, get him to sign over stuff, like, especially after the motorcycle accident, like you were saying, lucky for Billy, both of his thumbs were broken, so he could not physically sign anything. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. She was like, just put the pen in your teeth. And I'm going to hold the paper here and you could just. Yeah, I, I mean, obviously, at that time, she was just being there's just no other word for it, a real bitch. But I believe at the time with just the way you are and she's talking about the publishing rights, I believe she was working for the marriage or I'd like to believe she was just into the money and the lifestyle working for the marriage and be like, listen, this is, you know, she obviously she took him out of a very bad management position. And it's not like she did anything wrong with the management. She set his career back on track. It's just an unfortunate thing that she invites her brother to come in and he messes it all up. I don't think she I don't think they did anything evilly until the motorcycle accident. 
I, I, I'd like to think, I guess, in my naive mind, that somebody wasn't that evil to our Billy Joel, but uh, you know, I, I, she did set him on a a better trajectory than uh, Artie Rip, our our good friend Artie Rip, uh, set him on. Yeah, she did, but she also was burning a lot of bridges in the music industry. Like she was speaking for him, and she was giving him a bad reputation because people just thought, "Man, this guy's manager is awful." Yes, yes. excellent, excellent point. Uh, I I didn't think about that, and it reminds me exactly of the movie The Late Shift and Jay Leno's manager. Yes, that's who she is. Yeah, the, she's the Kathy Bates, the person that played Kathy Bates, whatever that woman's name was. She was Jay Leno's agent. If you don't know the story of Jay Leno, when he was trying to get The Tonight Show, when David Letterman and him were trying to get The Tonight Show, an amazing HBO, made-for-HBO movie, so much fun, very entertaining, a lot of uh, good casting in it. Kathy Bates is always good. She plays Jay Leno's manager. She is a bitch and a half. She is ruthless. She's an asshole. Jay Leno's getting a very bad reputation around town, and you know what the good guy he likes to be. But she got him the Tonight Show. She did things that weren't ethical, and she did horrible things, but she got him the Tonight Show. And I think this is the way Elizabeth was. Yeah, that's a great analogy. That's exactly how I picture her. Whenever I read stories about her, that's what I'm seeing in my head is is Kathy Bates in that movie. Yeah, you got to see that. Uh, if you get a chance, you got to see this. It's called The Late Shift. It's it's really great. You'll know exactly what we're talking about. And, you know, sometimes the funny thing is I'd kill for a manager like that or an agent. You know, you always want somebody like that. Somebody where you can say, oh, no, it's my agent. She's kind of a jerk and and you're the nice guy. That's what you kind of want. But these two women, I guess, went a little over the top. Yeah, you want a bull there's dog, a limit, not a pit bull. Ah, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> For the dog lovers who listen to the podcast. <laughs> and there are a lot. I follow the example of their nominee. Don't inhale. Wisdom is old fool. On and on and on and on. Great. We reschedule our fucking lives, do a live show so Jay can follow up their ghastly convention coverage with some new jokes. Then they won't let us on the goddamn air. Motherfuckers in news fucking us again. Warren, they're letting this go on. He's not going to finish by 11. I swear to you, I'm sending my audience home if you don't get this over on time. No, I'm not losing it. You said you had this under control. Get me Gartner in Houston. God damn it. 11 p.m. in the East right now. Mr. Gartner, phone for you. Helen Kushnick on the line. Yeah, Gartner here. You promised me you'd be off by 11, you shithead. I'm going live tonight so we can get some payoff from your horseshit convention coverage. I'm accommodating you by giving Brokaw airtime with Jay. Now you get this gas bag Reagan off the air now, or I'm not using Brokaw tonight. I don't give a shit if you use Brokaw tonight or any other night, lady, and let's get something straight. I am the president of NBC News. You don't have anything to do with what I do. I'm taking you off the air this time, you pompous ass. There's only one person who can take me off the air, Bob Wright. I'll give you his number. Call him. I don't need to call Bob fucking Wright. I'll send my audience home, and then you can call him and explain why The Tonight Show wasn't on the fucking air, because the news asshole couldn't get a horseshit speech off on time. Send him home. Get him the fuck out of here. Uh, Helen, is this a good idea? I mean, can, can you do this? Hey, who the fuck made you the executive producer? You do the fucking jokes. I run the fucking show. I made the decision. They fucked us. So now they don't get a show. Get these fucking people out of here now. There is no show for them to see. So Billy wrote a bunch of songs about Elizabeth. Like she was, it's kind of funny because like we talk about how bad she is, but 
his best songs to me are his songs from the seventies. And a lot of them are about her. So like, you got to give her some credit for that. But what's cool is that this song, he never really took out of his rotation. Whereas just the way you are, when we did that song, we found out that he like, didn't really play it for a long time because of how it was about Elizabeth. And he just hated her so much and didn't want to stomach it. Oh, is that right? I thought he did take this out of the uh, rotation. I thought he did after a while because he could, in fact, in fact, in 2006, I was reading he he returned the song. I mean, I know you'll give us the stats. I had read that he returned the song. And then when he finishes the song, he ends. And then we got divorced. Oh, really? <laughs> OK, you may be right, actually, because I was just looking at the pure numbers. I didn't even look at this one on a year by year basis, which I do sometimes because I thought the numbers are so high. This has been in the whole time. So tell us that. Tell us the numbers. So it's the 16th most played song. He's played it 407 oh. times. So, so, so it was obviously played during The Stranger. When did he stop? Is, oh, so you're saying there's no break. No, I'm saying I didn't even look up if there was a break because I saw just from 400 times. I thought, okay, this is like. Just let alone that in the 16th most played song. Yeah, I would think there was no break then. Yeah. Yeah. But if what you're saying is that there was a break, I believe that too. I mean, look, he plays a lot of shows. So to get to 400, uh, here, isn't that hard for um, this is what I read. This this was a staple of Billy Joel's concerts in the late 70s, but when his marriage fell apart, he dropped it from the set list, playing it only sporadically from 1980 to 2005. Yeah, cuz I'm I'm saying to myself, I wonder if maybe I got this from just the way you are, but I'm positive it's about this song. Well, I'm not positive, but it sounds like for both of them it's the same thing. On one of his college tour shows, Billy said that it was about his first wife, who he didn't really want to be singing about in the first place. He explained that while he was singing it, he would. <laughs> Are you ready for this? Yeah, this is the best. <laughs> he explained that while he was singing it, he would start thinking about what meal he would eat after the show. <laughs> Cut to. Oh, my God, Billy, you need to lose weight. <laughs> yeah. Meatball subs. <laughs> OK, I've looked it up now. So you are correct. This is what happened. He played it basically every show until December 29th, 1982 at Nassau Coliseum. Then he didn't play it again until Moscow. So he did it on the Russia tour. Then he did it a couple times in the early 90s, a couple times in 98, and then 2006. So there was a very wide break where once in a while he would break it out. But now it's like all the time. Yeah, right, right. Because now he's in a happy place. And, you know, he's obviously knows he's beloved. I mean, if he doesn't know he's beloved now, if you do a monthly thing at the garden, which is going on forever and there's no end date, and you still don't get it, <laughs> then there's something wrong with you. And we know he suffers from depression, but at least you would think once a month, he'd be like, hey, you know, I think these people get me. I think they like me. But I think he could play this song more than Just the Way You Are, because it's like almost twice as much as Just the Way You Are, because that song is like purely nice to Elizabeth. This one, at least he can enjoy the verses where he says how much of a bitch she is. Uh, plus, I also think he's over it. You know, I think I think it's time where, yeah, he can just play this as a song and just enjoy the song and the melody. And even like you said, some of the lyrics, which are cutting just, to, you know, and not think about, I mean, this happened 40, 50 years ago. I, I feel like he, he could be over it and just get into the song. And I think, uh, you know, he, maybe he thinks about it as somebody else. Maybe he's thinking about his current wife when he's playing it now or, or a meatball sub, which of course, yeah. <laughs> so there's really no way to lose uh, when singing this song. Let She's alone, always yeah. a hoagie to me. <laughs> but it sure is good, you know. I, yeah, and just the way you are is schmaltzy, as Christopher Bernardo says, quote. So this one's so much better than that. 
it's so much i can't believe they're on the same album i can't believe there's two songs about his wife on the album he he must have just been so into her and and so then i had read recently that i don't know when he figured it out but he's like you know when i keep writing songs about the women i love we end up breaking up so i've stopped doing it which is again maybe why he uh, even that well he wrote that song about katie lee if, well, if he figured it out then he wasn't writing new songs anymore and of course they broke up the christy lee wasn't any better and uh obviously yeah. this one wasn't good so yeah so the current just, life gets nothing exactly which i think he's like listen i'm doing us a favor trust me but billy you've written about all the trust trust me please okay <laughs> just listen to christy lee and pretend it's about you <laughs> i even tried to write a crappy one and we still got divorced <laughs> i didn't even try on that song <laughs> a five-year-old written it and i i just found that on the ground it was it was it was from alexis school and uh <laughs> like <laughs> i just picked it up and i'm like eh, whatever and we still got divorced <laughs> he's cursed <laughs> this song has a big beatles influence it does I don't know if you heard it yeah i know yeah. i didn't this is my own thing but I, i'm definitely hearing it uh the mm-hmm-hmms at the end of the song where he just kind of hums yeah are just like the end of yesterday i didn't notice yeah and at the end of that song paul hums to kind of end the song in the same kind of way so you know that's an influence and of course billy has said many times his song was influenced by gordon lightfoot yeah he, I mean, I don't know. I don't know his music really. Yeah, Are you I mean, a Gordon he, he Lightfoot? Say that a hundred times. Who cares? You know, <laughs> <laughs> Canadian legend Gordon Lightfoot. <laughs> exactly. But I'll, I'll say this one other thing: Pink, who we know is a we now know is a big Billy Joel fan, which we didn't know, uh, walked down the aisle to this song at her wedding. That's pretty cool. Yeah, she's cool. She's really cool. Talk about a woman that is just badass cool and writes really good songs. She she's like the female Billy Joel. She writes hits and good ones. And she is sometimes overlooked. Like I know she's successful, but it's amazing how many songs are catchy and good. Kind of like Billy's. You can see where she actually, you know what people say, like, you know, we're talking about Garth Brooks, Garth Brooks last week is like, yeah, he really likes Billy Joel, but you, you can't see any influence in any of his songs. Obviously, they're two different styles, but pink. You can see a lot of influence of Billy Joel in her songs because they are catchy and melodic and good. And the lyrics are cutting and always about boys that have done her wrong like this. And she's just damn cool. She knows how to put on a show, too. She has made bad choices, though. Uh, the exclamation point in place of the I in her name. <laughs> P exclamation point NK. That's cool, man. That's how you get publicity. Maybe Billy Joel should do that. Yeah, well, obviously, I'm going to start doing that. <laughs> the dollar sign for for an S is also cool. Oh, that's one of my. Isn't that who one of the Kardashians is married to? ASAP Rocky. It doesn't even. Oh, he does sign. that. Yeah, sure. <laughs> should I do that for Just Cow? Yeah, I think you should. Yeah, I can't believe I hadn't thought of it before. I'm totally going to sign all my papers with that from now on. Well, Dave, it's time for the trivia portion of the show. Do you have a stumper for me? All right, Alon. Look, we've done like 100 shows already, right? I think something like that, right? Like 120. And, uh, oh, right. We're including the interviews and stuff, but like 100 songs. And it's getting more difficult to come up with trivia, you know, at this point. <laughs> it's difficult. So I know I said I was never going to uh, talk about myself in trivia again, but I, I, I had to go there because I really just, I've, I've got nothing. Well, you lasted five songs. So that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, so what are you going to do? 
but it, it, it still is about this song in a way. In June of 1979, Dave Juskow <laughs> spoke about his favorite television show in his confirmation speech. The show was called BJ and the Bear. And although no one's sure exactly what spoke to me about this show, but in the pilot episode, they completely featured and played She's Always a Woman, sung by somebody else. And I cannot for the life of me find out who. It is nowhere on the Internet. It just says uncredited person. So it's just like the My Life in Bosom Buddies and somebody else saying she's always a woman. And this is in 79. So it's only like two years removed from the album in this TV show. And the reason why they were playing it is because BJ was lied to by a beautiful woman, but then came around to help him before they made out. My trivia question is this, Alon. What animal played the character of Bear? In BJ and the Bear. First off, was BJ was that Billy Joel? No, ironically, it is not. It was the uh, the actor's name is Greg Evigan, and he technically ruined my career later. But that's a whole other story. But the uh, Greg Evigan, who also appeared in My Two Dads uh, with Paul Reiser, he okay. this was his first show. He played, I think, a Vietnam helicopter doctor who traveled around the country in a big huge 18-wheeler truck and he would transport anything no questions asked for money and he'd always end up with hot girls and a sheriff sheriff lobo was after him all the time which is just complete it's a complete tv version of smoking the bandit all, when yeah all those i was gonna movies, say this is smoking the bandit yes so this was that without making a smoking the bandit television show they made this and wait sheriff lobo wasn't that a different show it it was a then sh- he was apparently so popular on this show they spun him off to another show. Oh wow! Okay, yeah the uh, the grumpy old sheriff who was always looking at oh I'm gonna get that B J McKay. <laughs> I only know Sheriff Lobo from The Simpsons. Right, right. Because Homer was always you, like, kind of obsessed with it. I knew I knew you would. So yes, this is the original show he's from. Uh, but so but B J would travel around with his uh, co part Bear who was an animal and they would have these adventures together. Can you guess what the animal was? We, we, the animal was, we said, this is an animal lover show. Yeah. Well, when I hear the name bear, I always picture like some big dog. So I'm just going to guess it's a dog. That's too easy. It's not a dog. Okay. And it's not actually a bear. No. Okay. No, he's named bear after bear. Bryant, the coach of uh, university of Alabama. <laughs> he's always wearing a hat. Is he some sort of a monkey? Exactly. He's a chimpanzee. <laughs> wow. They're just like us. <laughs> yeah. So this show lasted like three seasons and it's just so it's all just all the hot girls he runs into that. Kind, and it's funny that the pilot has she's only a woman because every girl technically dicks him over at one point, but then he makes out with them at the end. So ironically, the song completely fits in BJ and the bear, this TV show, but how they got the rights and how they got this idiot to sing it. It's playing on the radio when he's driving uh, this girl to uh, his doom. And then he turns it off and they get out of the truck. It's really weird. Orly County. Boy, never thought I'd be seeing this place again. Right, right about here. 
shoes. You did a real good job, kid. I mean, Milford would have been real proud of you. <laughs> What'd he give you? Fifty dollars. Oh, you got any idea what they're gonna give me? Well, well. Maybe you ain't acquainted with the laws of this state, boy, but it happens to be illegal to haul white lightning. Hey, that truck was empty. I just dropped off a load of cantaloupes this morning. Does every episode end where the hot girl gets her face bitten off by the chimpanzee? <laughs> And he goes, no. Bear, you did it again. <laughs> no, Bear, Bear is adorable. <laughs> I never heard of this TV show. No, why would you? Why would you? Nobody has. I was the only one that was a little obsessed, mostly because not only this guy was good looking, he also ran around the chimp in a truck, which I've always wanted to do, actually, not with the chimp so much, but and it, there was always hot girls in it. And he was always, you know, running away from a, a sheriff. So if you love smoking the bandit, then you like this show. I was the exact age group this was made for. BJ was a happy-go-lucky trucker who would haul anything for a price. You are the guy, aren't you? The guy who hauls anything anywhere for a buck and a half a mile, no questions asked? But this time, his cargo was 11 young women escaping from a white slavery gang. Sheriff Lopo runs the whole thing. Please help us. And does he ever? We got him now. But roadblocks mean nothing to B.J. McKay, an ex-POW and helicopter pilot from Vietnam. Claude Akins and Penny Pizer star. B.J. and the Bear next Wednesday at 9, 8 Central and Mountain. Well, Alon, do you have a fun 70s television trivia question for me, even though you weren't alive? <laughs> Mine is kind of an 80s television trivia Ooh, question. I'm all kind in. of. Okay, so my question starts with Gordon Dorothy Lightfoot. Spornak. I'm sorry, yes, go ahead. Correct. <laughs> Mine's, it starts with Gordon Lightfoot and then it moves on from there. So this oh, song God. was whatever inspired by Gordon Lightfoot. So I looked into the guy and apparently in the early 70s, he was in a relationship with this lady named Kathy Smith, who was a groupie and a drug dealer who inspired Gordon's number one song, Sundown. This is important because in 1982, Kathy Smith killed what famous comedian? Oh, my. Killed what famous comedian in 82? Wow, Jesus. Maybe this is a bad day to talk about this since everybody's slapping comedians, but jeez. Um, uh, Freddie Prince. No. Oh, oh right. He uh, did that to himself. Um, boy, this is good. W- wasn't, wasn't a gunshot kind of thing, but she was instrumental to this person's death and was oh, convicted of um, manslaughter. Oh, it's John Belushi. That's correct. He threw me off because uh, I was thinking of a stand-up comedian. So this is the Kathy Smith that gave him the lethal dose that killed him. She apparently injected him with 11 speedballs. Yeah, right. Which is too right. many speedballs, apparently. Wow. And she was also dating Gordon Lightfoot. Yeah, like 10 years earlier, she was dating Gordon Lightfoot. Before that, she had a long relationship with the band, like Levon Helm and everyone else in the band. She was sleeping with all of them. Wow. So she had a she was one of those like rock groupies who had a long, weird you career. So? <laughs> <laughs> Seems to be. She actually they said she got pregnant at one point and they just called it the band baby because no one knew who the father was. Oh, my goodness. But uh, yeah, 11 speedballs. She ended up getting convicted of involuntary manslaughter and served 15 months in prison. That seems fair, actually. I mean, I know she didn't try and kill John Belushi on purpose, and he was probably saying, come on, do it. That's my guess. I don't think she did it. I don't think she pulled an Elizabeth Weber uh, (laughs) who (laughs) technically uh, gave Billy Joel 11 uh, speedballs in, in a different kind of way, anally. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's oh, that's an interesting question. Um, John Belushi. Yeah. Wow. 
So, uh, how do you make a parody of a nice slow song that's uh, very important to Billy and yet make it funny? What are you going to do? Okay, so the Weird Alon song is called She's Always on Instagram. All right, all right. All right, I'll give you a chance. I made it current. Yeah, clearly. Now, Instagram is what the kids are all on? Is that what you're... uh... It's like the new Facebook. Okay, got it, got it. She can post a bikini. She can filter her eyes. She can scroll through her DMs from 12 random guys. And she's always the first to like pics of your fam. She sees everything because she's always on Instagram. Oh, she just stares at her phone, watches every story, then refreshes her feed. Oh, and she never goes out. She just stays on the couch, but won't watch TV. And she'll take 30 selfies with her new iPhone cam. She'll follow your ex and send her a mean text because she's always on Instagram. Hey, now. Well, you know, that first verse was fantastic. The lyrics were unbelievable. And then when you got to the O's and I couldn't even believe you made it to that second higher O. Yeah. Then then it wasn't as good. And then it got good again with the verses. Your your rhyming scheme was outstanding today. Oh, thanks. Yeah. It's a hard song to sing, man. Billy Joel. I couldn't believe you made it to that second. Oh, <laughs> that was amazing. I got to say, I, I was channeling my inner Gordon Lightfoot. <laughs> uh. Well, folks, that was She's Always a Woman. If you like our podcast, be sure to go to Apple and give us five stars. We release new episodes every Tuesday and Thursday, so make sure you hit subscribe so you don't miss a single one. Follow us on social media at Billy Joel A to Z and give us some feedback. Do you agree with Glenn Gamboa that this is a top five song? Does anyone else remember BJ and the Bear besides Dave? Come on. Should we hire a private investigator to find Elizabeth Weber? Yes, Mannix. Sorry, it's another 70s uh, television reference. <laughs> I've heard of that one, at least. And do you ever accidentally call the song She's Only a Woman like Dave uh, did once this episode? Oh, I did? Yeah. <laughs> oh, damn it. I was having to, I kept thinking I was saying the wrong thing. Oh, no. Sorry, everybody. Well, don't go changing, Dave. <laughs> Until next time, I'm Alon Altman. I'm Dave Juskow. And this is Billy Joel A to Z. Well, there's a lot of. Um, dichotomy in the song itself. I think if it had been, if it was done too sweet and too pure, um, it wouldn't have worked. You know, the lyric is is somewhat troubling. You know, some people said, oh, he's a misogynist. You know, look what he says about this woman. Uh, and he wrote this song called She's Only a Woman, which always cracks me up every time I read it. I said, well, that's what you call it. That's not what I call it. She never gives in, she just changes her mind.
frequently kind and she's suddenly cool But she can do as she pleases, she's nobody's fool And she can't be convicted, she's earned her degree And the most she will do is throw shadows at you But she's always a woman to me